We have been in a series titled High Definition. We're going to jump right back into that, and this actually will be the, the last week of it. And we'll begin a series called Baggage, and then we're going to go into dealing with how is your soul after that. In these first couple of weeks, we've just addressed a couple of things that seem to be very evident and clear, not only from the scriptures, but just what we know from our Christian life. That first week we addressed the idea of seeing people. If we see people the way uh, that Jesus did, then we'll love them the way that Jesus does. And so we emphasize that whole thing, seeing people from the eyes of Christ. And that does mean from every culture and background and ethnic group and even people with, um, that are different from us in, in many aspects. And last week we had addressed the church being God's idea. And in that idea, the end, the end goal, the end game, which we're actually we're going to go to today, is that people that are diverse will gather together to worship God in unity and what we call the church. And, and that only comes about because of what the Holy Spirit does. And so from the eyes of Jesus, we want to see people the way Jesus does so we can love them the way Jesus does. From the, from the work of the Holy Spirit, we want to see how it's the Spirit of God that unifies us and brings us together, no matter what our diversities are and our, our differences are, that he brings us into one place, one location, wherever we're gathered, uh, corporately or universally, that we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as a whole. Ultimately, my hope and prayer is that, that what you're getting is that it's, it's spirit people that know how to integrate and get along with other people that are different from us. Spirit people know how to do that. We don't get instructions on that from Fox News or CNN. We don't get that in, in school curriculum. It's spirit people that know how to integrate with other people and get along with other people, even if they're different from us. You've already learned, I pray, in your relationship with, with Christ that, that that vertical reconciliation with God. Once we connect with God, there's just something that's infused in us by the Holy Spirit. And, and because Christ dwells in us and the Spirit dwells in us and the presence of God is dwelling with us, then the horizontal stuff is taken care of. It's not something that we have to work at doing. It comes natural because there's that first, that vertical connection with the Almighty God. The Spirit of the Lord works and connects with everyone, and as we connect with Him, then we can horizontally have relationships of different cultures, ethnic groups, uh, etc. When the gospel is lived out, when Christians live out the gospel and practice what it means to be reconciled with God, then we really do become ambassadors ambassadors with people, as the scripture tells us to do. It gives us an opportunity to prove peace. It gives us an opportunity instead of, instead of living with strife and distrust and suspicion and factions. When we live out the gospel, we have the opportunity to prove that there can be peace uh, among us. Today's message is going to deal basically with the end game. What has God determined? Why does all of this matter. This whole issue of, of nations coming together and people from different ethnic groups coming together and God's heart for this, what God's end goal, God's end game, what, what did he have in view and what did he have in mind? 
And we're going to get a look at that from the throne uh, from Revelation chapter 7. We're going to see what God predestined to see from the very beginning. And it is significant. It is significant. There's, there's, there's some things that happen in your life or things that take place in your life or things that are part of your life that are, they affect you. But in the end game, they're not that significant. I, when I was preparing this message, uh, we, I, we were preparing to do a funeral and I, I could not because of the, um, I've learned that I don't need, it's not color blindness, it's color deficiency. I guess I want to get, yeah, make me feel better. It's color deficiency. And, and so because my clothes wasn't matched, I came to the church with, I had a couple of ties in the car, I had another tie that I put on that I thought would be right. And I was upstairs, Candy came in to make sure that I was ready to go. And I said, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure about this tie. She said, no, I'll take that off. That ain't matching with nothing. And, uh, and so, and, and, you know, just to deal with that for just uh, a moment, you know, people, there's different effects of, of colorblindness. Like some people just see straight gray. Uh, they can't see any colors at all. Some people have a blue-yellow um, colorblindness. Some people have a red a, a red-green mine is red-green. It doesn't mean I can't see red or say, see green, but the base of those colors that make up other colors is what I can't necessarily see. And the, the, the issue is, like, some folks can look at an orange and an apple, and it looks gray. Well, I can see an orange, and I can see an apple. Some people look at traffic lights and can't tell whether it's red, yellow, or green. That's why if you have a color blindness, you can't serve in the military or different things of that nature because you can't distinguish those colors. And then there, there's, there's some, some that see food and can't tell the difference. They can't tell whether the food is, is done, whether it's, whether it's pink, whether it's medium well, whether it's rare. They can't necessarily tell the difference depending on their stage of uh, blindness or, or deficiency. For me, it's actually distinguishing. Like I can see a primary color on something, but I can't necessarily see the other colors that's with it or the other colors that should be blended. And... You know, it took me years to even admit that I, that I had that issue. I don't know why I felt like it was something I should have been shamed of. But I was sharing with someone the other day that before I was getting help, I would look at my clothes to try to match them up to the point that it was so frustrating my eyes, they would, all, they would just start uh, weeping because it was the frustration of trying to put all this stuff together. Well, I tell you all this because as, 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 as much as that affects me, it's not a big significance in my life. It's not a matter of life and death. It has an effect, but it's not that significant in the whole scheme of things. And, and I think you can relate to that. You, you see things, you experience things, you may hear conversations, you may see people do things that are not the way that you would do it. Uh, I know as parents, we see how our children sometimes do and we think, oh, you know, maybe I would do that different. Or you see people in marriage and relationships and you hear conversations and as a boss versus how other bosses do things, you think, oh, I may not do it that way. But you come to the conclusion that some of that stuff just isn't as significant. The older you get, the more mature you get. We used to say this when we were younger, but you really do. You learn, you know, some things just ain't worth putting a, uh, pitching a fit over. But some things are. Some things are significant. I, I visited a man in the hospital when I was in L.A. this week. He had no idea that I was coming. And he had proclaimed that he was 
that he was dying. I hadn't seen him in years. He hadn't seen me in years. So he didn't know I was coming and honestly didn't recognize me when I first walked in, but I got a call of his condition and, uh, and because of my love for him, I wanted to, I wanted to go see him. So showed up at the, at the hospital there and once he realized who I was, he began to tell me what was going on medically. He had already told his wife he loved her, told the kids he loved him. He, you know, as far as he was concerned, he was dying. And so being me, I knew that if I'm going there, there has to be a reason on why I, I need to see him. And so he's telling me about uh, what he has just accomplished. He has been spending years, and he's, he's, a, he's a noted man. He, you could read about him. He's done a lot of things, well-accomplished man. And he talked about spending years writing this book. And while we were sitting there, he was saying the book is finished and the publisher has it now and hopefully it will be ready before my memorial because I would like the book to be on display at my memorial. And he said, I just, I just, he says, he says, you're a minister, right? I said, yeah. He says, I just, I I just want you to know that I'm, I'm free. I'm, I'm free now. I've done what I've done. I'm, I'm at a place in my life where now my legacy is set, my heritage is set, and I'm free. It don't matter what they do medically. It doesn't matter what, they, uh, what decisions they make. I, I'm, I'm free. And I said to him, I, I appreciate hearing that. I, I do. I, I appreciate a man believing that he, getting to that place, certainly I'm sure what you have to say and what's in the book will probably be good for people to read and understand. He talked about scientific plans and setting goals and objectives and how he's been so successful in business and why they've accomplished all this and how he does it, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, that's what I'm leaving. That's my legacy. All the money and stuff, the family, they'll do what they do, but that's my deal. And I I said to him, I says, well, for me, freedom, I can't say that I would be at a place of freedom I'm sure there's certain things in my life that I want to accomplish. There's certain things I want to get done. And I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm looking forward to accomplishing those things. But that wouldn't give me freedom. What gives me freedom is my faith in the Almighty God. That's what gives me freedom. Soon as I said that, he said, I, he said that's you. That's what you do. That's what you believe. I don't, I don't have no dealings with any of that. And, and now, the man is in the hospital saying he's dying. I could have let it go, but I'm Tyrone P. Jones. That wasn't so easy. That wasn't so easy because, see, to me, that's significant because that's a life and death issue. To say that you're free and you're in a place of freedom, but you haven't embraced what really brings about life, that's a life or death issue. It wasn't one of those situations where I could have just said, well, that's what he believes and it's okay. No, folks, this is life or death. Some things absolutely have significance. Even when people think totally different than you, it's got some meaning. It's got some significance. And when I look at this, this, this whole issue of what, we, of what God was accomplishing in the world, and people may say, what difference does it make about all of us coming together and, and, and uniting and ethnics and cultures? And why does that make a difference? I'm, I'm telling you why. Because the credibility of God is at stake. The credibility of God is at stake. Because he said in Genesis 22 that through Abraham and his descendants, which leads all the way to the Messiah, all nations of the earth would be affected and would be blessed 
all of those who have the same faith would be in this place where God is glorified that makes up the kingdom of God. That's why it's significant. That's why it's important. What we see in the end game in the book of Revelation absolutely has meaning because it proves that God is a God that can fulfill his word and his promises through the life and the hearts of men. Let me read this passage in Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels who were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are there before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is a great vision. Vision I'm sure that you've read. If you've read through the the books of the Bible and the book of Revelation, it's a great vision. John kind of leaps us. He takes us up for a moment to see what he sees. He had already knew about the multitudes, and there's numbers in this book of 144,000 and, and all that. And just to note, the Jehovah Witnesses have really missed it on that. But it's, it's, a, it's a number that indicates a multitude of people that would be saved by the grace of God. If only 144,000 people could be saved, then we missed it a long time ago because there's been way more than 144,000 that's come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's, it's a number that, that just is like a multitude. But they're standing here, and they're standing here triumphant. They're standing here after coming through trials. They're standing here rejoicing. They're standing here praising. And just like God promised, a multitude of people from nations and tribes and people groups, different languages, standing there with palm branches in their hand declaring the goodness of the one God. Multitudes of people from multicultural backgrounds and ethnic groups declaring the greatness of God. The big idea of this message is when we stand before God in heaven in diversity, we celebrate victory and unity. When we, when we stand before God in heaven in diversity, we celebrate victory and unity. I don't need to speak much more about that Because now it's the common factors. When they're standing before the throne, it's not the differences that are issue at all. Now it's the common factors that have brought them all there. And one of the things that they celebrate right there in verse verse number 9 and 10 is the salvation. It's made clear to us that the only manner in which people can even get to this place to stand before the Almighty God in total freedom and in total liberty is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. 
That's the only method. There's not a multi-ways, multiplicity of ways in which people can have eternal life. Not a multiplicity of ways in which people can go to heaven. That's not the case. It's not possible. The only way that we stand before the throne of the Almighty God is to believe in the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's salvation through him alone. So no matter where we come from, that's a common thing. It's Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter what language you speak, it's Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter where you're located, it's Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a common salvation that comes through the gospel. That's why we have the mandate to go to all ethnic groups and to go to all nations and to baptize them. This is a truth for us that seems to be pretty simplistic, honestly. It's a truth for us in America that doesn't seem that complicated. But I can tell you about places that when people hear the gospel and respond to the gospel, they instantly go into tribulation. They got families that mark their lives. I can tell you pastor after pastor in India that when they come from the Muslim faith or, or from Islam and give their life to Jesus, they're disowned by their families. For us, it's listening to a, to a message on TV or on podcasts or in a church and simply in total freedom walk up to a front somewhere and give our life to Christ. That ain't the case in Indonesia. That ain't the case in China. That is not the case in every place. Some people have to really have a desire for the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of all that to say, I'm still yet believing the only way for me to be free is to trust in this Jesus whom it may cost me my life, it may cost me my goods, it may cost me my family, but I believe in one gospel, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's a common message. The good thing about this passage, it shows us where we're going to end up, that there is a time, because here is the deal. We've been saying it since I was a child, that Jesus is coming any minute. My grandfather would scare the hell out of me, if I could say that. Because he, he would make me think any time I'd done a sin, God was busting the clouds open and he was coming back right then. He was coming to catch you, boy, because you, you don't do right, no way, and Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. So when I was five years old, Jesus was coming back soon. 15, 25, 35, 45, and I'm prophesying it when I get to be 95. Jesus is still coming back soon. But here's the eel. Matthew 24, 14 tells us this, that the end will come after every people group on the planet hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to get discouraged. We're going to be standing one day before the almighty God. It may not be tonight. It may not be tomorrow. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a day when we stand before the almighty God and worship the king because salvation comes through him and him alone. But then they talk about this other thing, and it's actually brought up a few times in this passage, and I believe Jacob also read it. They talk about the blood, redemption through the blood. I don't think we do enough blood sermons nowadays. I don't think we keep the gospel bloody enough because I'm here to tell you there is nothing easy about this salvation. This salvation cost the blood of Jesus Christ. It cost his blood. His blood was shed for us. And they talk about their robes being washed. 
They're now white. It's a once and for all act that's taken place. Somewhere in their life, they've trusted the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, they've trusted what we've talked about, the power of the cross. None of them was born this way. None of them was born without sin. None of them was born in a condition in which just because they were who they were, they were automatically going to enter into eternal life. Don't misunderstand this. None of you are that good. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says none are good. All have sinned and, and have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need to be washed by the blood. Every one of us needs to be redeemed. Redemption is a real Bible word. Why are you saved? Because I said a prayer, eh, wrong answer. Why are you saved? Well, I've been a Christian all my life, eh, wrong answer. Why are you saved? Well, I never miss church, eh, wrong answer. There's only one way for you to be saved, and that's to be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was not a cross, if there was not a bloody crucifixion of Jesus, none of us could stand before the Almighty God with white robes. None of us could. But because of what he's done, as a matter of fact, Revelation 1.5 says, all glory to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. I love the song that says the word on the cross of Jesus Christ. He's the reason I'm alive for his blood has set me free. It will never lose its power for me. I love that because indeed the blood of Jesus never loses its power. It's a once and done deal. I don't have to keep going before the cross and once again telling Jesus, I want you, Lord, of my life. I want you, Lord, of my life. That's a once and done thing because once we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confirm that with the waters of baptism. And let me just jump on that for just a moment. I talked to you last week about being baptized. If you, if you, if you say that you're a Christian, if you say that you believe in Jesus and haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. And baptism is not for the sake of salvation because it's the blood of Jesus that does it, confessing your sins unto him, making him Lord that does it. But it certainly does affirm the fact scripturally and as a mandate, it's a command that you are a born-again believer. But don't miss this. It's not the baptism that brings about the salvation. You can get baptized so many times till every tadpole in the creek knows your name. That ain't going to save you. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves you. But I submit my life to him and he becomes the Lord of my life. But I love also what 1 Peter says because he says he redeems us from an empty life. An empty life. Listen to what the words say here in verse number 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you. Listen to this. From the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. I thought a lot about that empty life word. And you know, there's a whole lot of folks, if I go back to the gentleman that I just spoke about, there's a whole lot of folks who believe their life comes to a place in which they are satisfied in their life. But I'm here to tell you, I don't know, Mick Jagger says it best, you can't get no satisfaction in this life. And no matter what, it ends up empty. Because if, if this life does not include an eternity that you've embraced with the Lord Jesus Christ, the other side of that is not good. It's a life of futility. It's a life with no progress. It's a life that doesn't go anywhere, that graduates you up into a place of eternity. When it's all said and done, it's empty. 
And you know the old line, nobody ain't pulling no hearse or U-Haul behind a hearse. Nobody's pulling a U-Haul. When you're dead, you're dead. You're not taking anything with you. It's an empty life. But I'm telling you what we can take, and that's eternity in our hearts and our life. That's what makes life full. Not the emptiness of everything that the world promised. And that only comes through the, being ransomed. Listen to this. And he, the ransom he paid was not mere gold and silver. I would take the time to tell you what Peter is dealing with in his context, dealing with emptiness and gold and silver. But just trust, he was speaking to people who thought that gold and silver was the issue that made life the full. He said, that's empty. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. That's what brings about this fullness of life and this redemption in Christ Jesus. He, they talked about their robes being white. And they talked about coming through tribulation. And something I love about the blood is that it's a continual cleansing that works in our life. Because every one of us knows as long as we're living here on earth, the battle still continues. It's not that I get saved today and everything is honky-dory tomorrow. I, I don't know about you, but how many of you still have to fight the devil? How many know the devil still exists and he still lives? How, how many have to fight through the flesh? How many have to deal with the things of this life? But see, the blood of Jesus doesn't just bring us into a place of redemption and salvation. The blood assures us of victory. It assures us of victory even in this life. Because I'm telling you, I've been in situations that I could not pray enough to overcome. I've been in situations where I couldn't read enough to overcome. I've been in situations where I couldn't talk my way out of situations. But I would always grab a verse, and it's in Revelation 12:10 when it talks about at last salvation has come and the power, the kingdom of our God, the authority of Christ, his accuser of the brothers, who we know as Satan has been thrown down. He's accusing, accusing us before God day and night. But listen to this, talking about us being accused, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. It's the continual thing when you're bombarded by the things of life. All you got to do is know I stand on the blood of Jesus. I stand on the blood of Jesus. It's not my perfection. It's not my personal righteousness. It's not my prayer life. It's not my Bible reading. It's the blood of Jesus that allows us and enables us to overcome. Can you say amen? It's the blood of Jesus. It's the power that assures us of victory. Jesus did not waste one drop of blood. Every drop of blood assures me of my salvation and victory in him. And here's, the, here's the, uh, just the last thought that I think I want to pull out of this. Because the, I want to say an angel here, maybe one of the elders. Yeah, it says one of the elders addressed him. And said, do you know who these people are that are standing here before the throne? Do you know who they are? John knows it's a rhetorical question. And he says, he says no, you, you know. And he responds to him, these are the ones who have come through great tribulation. Isn't it interesting when we're standing before the throne, no matter where we come from or who we are, we all have a common salvation. 
We all have been, have the common redemption. But I'm telling you, folks, I don't care where you live, we all go through tribulation. That's a common thing for every one of us. First Peter said it like this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I'm telling you, I gave up a long time ago when I go through stuff asking God, why am I going through this? I gave that up a long time ago because I'm here to tell you, I'm here to announce you. Matter of fact, Pastor Tyrone P. Jones is going to give you some good news. You will go through stuff. You will go through trials. You will go through tribulations. There's no reason to ask, why am I going through this? Every, the folks around you, look around you. Everybody sitting around you is going through trials and through tests and through tribulations. That's a part of the Christian life. But that's what makes the victory so great. What makes the victory so great is that when I go through tribulation, I have an assurance of victory. It's not because of me, it's because of the blood of Jesus. What makes the victory so great is that even through tribulation, I always got a promise, I'm going to stand before the almighty God at the throne. That's the promise. That's the assurance. Some, some tribulation, and, and obviously some of it can be bad. Some of it is evil. In some places people lose their life. And, and, and every form of evil can be felt and it can be, it can be total. And it's, 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 it's minor. I mean, I go through a toothache and it feels like my whole body hurts. And I think people are going through a whole lot worse than this. Stump your toe and, 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 and feel like you can't walk, can't move because you stubbed your toe. But people are going through a whole lot worse than this. And that's why as brothers and sisters, we come alongside and strengthen each other. Because we never know what people are going through. And honestly, oftentimes, we don't need to know what they're going through. All we need to know is Christ is able, Jesus loves you, I love you, and we strengthen the brother. And I like what Paul said in, first, in Acts 14, him and Barnabas had already established some churches. He said, let's go to the regions and strengthen the brothers. Let's encourage them to continue in their faith reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I I want you to do something one time. If you run across anybody that says they used to serve Jesus or serve the Lord, but they don't anymore, ask them why not. I will guarantee you 100% of the time they're going to land on some event in their life that got them so messed up they lost faith in believing in the Almighty God. It's every time. It's every time. No, I ain't never talked to nobody that quit church that said, well, my baptism didn't work. I ain't never talked to nobody who, who, who quit church and says, nah, that prayer didn't work. Or that speaking in tongues didn't work. I ain't never ran across that. You always run, you, you'll always hear them t- point to one event or maybe several events in their life where they say they just had a hard time to continue to believe and to trust. That's why we encourage people through tribulation, because everybody has them. Everybody goes through them, but we keep them focused on the goodness and the greatness of God. And even beyond that, we keep them focused on Jesus, because listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome, and because we are in Christ Jesus, we are overcomers. 
And so we see the big picture here. We see the big idea standing before God in heaven with all of their diversities that they're unified in their victory. And victory we will have. I love this scene. I've probably preached on this passage, I don't know, probably a dozen times because I love the whole identity of the believer standing with palm branches. Throughout the Bible, palm branches always represented victory. They always represented victory. And here they are standing with those palm branches in their hand, worshiping and glorifying the Lord, knowing that they're now victorious. Instead of a wreath or instead of a trophy or instead of a ribbon, we stand before the Almighty God with palm branches. That songwriter went on to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, Christ, my victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Christ has won the victory for me. It's God who gives us the victory. That's why they're rejoicing. They're not walking into heaven, going around, telling the other folks, hey, man, I want you to listen to my testimony of how I got through. There's no personal testimonies in heaven. Isn't that interesting? There ain't no more testimony service in heaven. No more. No more testimony services needed because there's only one who's worthy of the glory and the honor and the praise. I'm not going to sit around and listen to your story when I'm in heaven. I'm not interested. I could care less. The only thing I want to do is give glory and honor and praise to the one who got me over. That's all. I, I don't care about Abraham's story. I know enough of it. David's story, I know enough of it. Job's story, I know enough of it. I just want to give glory and honor to the one who's given me the victory. That's why we're there worshiping him. We're there worshiping him. Karina almost preached my message. I turned to Jonathan and said, man, she about ready to preach my message talking about singing. Because it's a fact. Jacob read it, or sorry, um, uh, uh, AJ read it. They were singing a new song in heaven, talking about worthy and, and honor and, and glory. And, and isn't it true? Isn't it true? I was listening to a, to a gentleman who's getting ready to start a church, and he was talking about he was laying in bed, and one of the first times in his life he got a panic attack. He knew what God said to him about starting this church in this particular city. And he said, I'm, there's just, I'm just battling so much fear of failing and all that. said he was laying in bed and had a panic attack. He said, you know what I began to do? I began to sing. I, isn't it something about us as Christians? You ever walked down a dark alley and find yourself singing? You ever getting ready to approach a meeting that you know is going to be tough and hear yourself singing? Ever be in the car driving, knowing you don't want to go where you got to go, but you hear yourself singing? Have you ever been dealing with those things that are tough situations in your life and you're not sure how you're going to get through it and you hear yourself singing? Something about Christians, when things are tough, we just sing. We sing to the Almighty God. We sing. That's why it shouldn't be so hard for you to sing in here. You ought to be singing before you get here because I know you got tribulation. I know you got trials. I know you got stuff. You learn to sing to the Almighty God. We learn to worship Him. It's a universal language to sing 
to the Almighty God. It ain't just us. We see it in the Scripture. David talked about singing when he had some difficult times. We see Paul and Silas singing when we had some difficult, when they had some difficult times in Acts. We sing through all seasons of life. People sing in prison. People sing in storms. I love the testimony of Miss Choi after being nine years in a North Korean prison camp, and they took her out to execute her and said that she had one last thing that she wanted to say before they shot her, and she began to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And they thought if this woman is so nuts that while I got a gun to her head, she's going to sing a song unto a God who cannot save her right now, then I won't shoot her. They let her go because they thought she was nuts for singing Amazing Grace. I go there and lead people, uh, lead churches in China every year. She started over 700 churches. Why? Because in the midst of trouble, she sung. She sung to the Almighty God. It's right there. Uh, Philip and team, if you'll come. It's right there that we see not only do they worship and do they praise, And they give glory to God for victory. But he makes some amazing promises. Let me me connect back once again to the one who said he was free, believed he was dying. You see, there comes a time in life and a place in life to where the things that overwhelm us in this life, we are absolutely free from. You see, this promise of victory, this promise of standing before the throne and worshiping, it's not just to be delivered from our sins, but it's to be delivered from the things that overwhelm us in this life. As long as we're on the planet, there's going to be people who starve and die. As long as we're on this planet, there's going to be people who will emotionally be overcome with emotion and either do something harmful to themselves or get so paralyzed and so depressed in life that they can't move past that emotion. As long as we're living in this life, you're going to read about stories where somebody in some place it was too hot, too much heat, and they died from the heat, heat exhaustion or heat strokes. As long as we're in this life, we're going to cry. We're going to experience some tough stuff but I'm telling you when the Lord does what he's doing in the end game not only do we get to stand there before him and worship declaring victory and salvation to God but I get to stand there pain free we'll never have to worry about seeing another doctor again in my life No matter what's working in your body now, I don't care whether it's cancer, I don't care what disease is, I'm telling you. No matter what has taken people out of this life, I'm telling you, there's going to be a day that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to stand before the throne without any pain. I don't care how many times you went to bed and your stomach was not full or how many people you know that's died in that manner. There's going to be a time you're going to stand before the Almighty God and have no hunger. Don't care how many tears you've cried. I don't know how many many nights you've cried yourself to sleep. 
how many days you've cried through the day, there's going to be a time you're going to stand before the Almighty God and not one more tear will be shed. There's going to be a time when we stand before the Almighty God and we don't have to worry about light. We don't have to worry about sun. All people in Yuma ought to be shouting hallelujah. There's going to be a time when we ain't got to worry about 121 or 124. Ain't got to worry about whether you got AC or whether you don't have AC because you're sheltered by the Almighty God. That's the end game. And let me tell you something, folks, that's significant. I can live with color deficiency the rest of my life, but I'm telling you what you can't live with or you can't live without, and that's the hope of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's significant. You can't live without that. And so my heart, my prayer, this message was much more. You can stand if you would. This message was certainly much more doctrinal in nature. But I wanted you to catch the heart of the Lord. It's not a matter of us being multicultural because we just want to boast about being multicultural. We are who we are. We want to share the gospel with who we share with because we believe that's what God's heart for the people that he's saving and only he can do it. We reread stuff in the news or hear stuff from the news every day. And sure, I'm, I'm sure there's some things and some decisions in this earth that will be good decisions and right decisions, can have some change, can have some effect. And we pray for that. We pray for our leaders. We do those things. But there is nothing more significant that we can do in this life than the people that we're surrounded with to share the love of God with them and the message of eternal life. Because I'm telling you, you can line up every newspaper, you can turn on every TV channel, you can bring forth every single prophecy that they've heard, but there's only one thing that's a flat-out assurance, and that's that Christ said, I can transform you, I can change you, I can give you liberty, and I can give you freedom. That's the mission and the message of us. That's what our desire is, that's what our hope is, and that's what we do as a church. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come if they don't mind. Maybe we'll do that song about singing, that second song y'all done. You all right with that one? Is it, you want me to do it? Singing. You got it, baby? Prayer teams, you coming? Jesus, we thank you so much that when, when we read these scriptures, Sometimes we approach him, and honestly, we really need to hear from you. We really need to hear something from you that's going to help us in the moment. Most of the time, we approach the Scriptures just to know you better, to see what you say about life, about you, about us. But there's times, Lord God, when we approach the Scriptures for encouragement. This is one of those passages in Revelation 7, not only is encouraging, but it also gives us great anticipation because we are looking forward to this day. We're, we're looking forward to the time. We don't know when it's going to come, but we know it's going to happen. But, but, but that's not so much the encouragement that we're going to stand there before you. We, we get that. 
What is, Lord God, is the assurance that you give us of victory. That because we have committed our life to you, that this assured victory is certainly not only anticipated, but without question because of what you have done and what you're continuing to do in our life. Now, Lord, with, with the mass of people here, I, I have no idea what assurances some people need. I don't know what challenges people may be facing. I don't know what life, season of life they may be walking through. But it is my prayer, Lord God, that today, whether it be through this message, whether it be through a time of prayer, maybe connecting with someone, that they leave here with the hope that they didn't have and an assurance that they didn't have and be encouraged in a manner that they weren't. Not because of what they have yet to tackle, tackle or what they have yet to go through because they've heard a sure word that Jesus Christ is our victor. And so, Lord, I do pray for the people of God today. Lord, every one of them that walked into this building, that those things, Lord God, that may be overwhelming them, that they would just bring those things before you and let you be the God of grace and comfort that you are. That they may let you be the God that assures them that you got this. That they may let you be the God who tells them, I, I am the one you can count on. I am your strength. You can rely on me. But no matter what emotional pain somebody was experiencing, I pray, Lord God, that they will embrace the fact that you are God that can and will wipe away every tear. No matter what loss they may have experienced, no matter what difficulty they may be facing, no matter what's happening in their home life, married life, financial life, Lord, may they focus in on you because you're the one that helps them overcome. And so, Lord, with all of our differences among us, different thoughts, different seasons, different things happening, I pray, Lord God, that the people that are standing here today will be unified in celebrating that we serve a God who assures us of victory that we can count on, that we can stand on, that is indeed a God who keeps his promises. Lord, we ask this in your name, thanking you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.